Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. We're starting a new series today, so if today's your first time, awesome. You can jump right in, and, um, and we're going to, to go down this road. Really, ultimately, it's about uh, the fruit of the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, not the flesh. Um, many of us understand this truth to be true t- for us, but we have a habit of taking things to extremes. Uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, but I'm, I'm one that, that falls that way. Uh, we take extremes, whether it's in the, uh, the, the behaviors maybe that we exhibit, or maybe it's in our, our prudence, we'll take extremes. And so we'll always either run straight to the edge and the ledge of things that are going on, and we say, man, that's kind of extreme that you're taking that position or you're doing that thing, or we'll run as far away completely as we can possibly get, and so we take it to extreme when we might isolate ourselves or cut ourselves off from love. And Galatians 5 is slap in the middle of that, and uh, we have here a, a church in Galatia, which is essentially in uh, Turkey, and uh, there's debate about whether it's the northern Galatians or the southern. It has to do with the cultural context or the geographic. But either way, it was written before um, you get to, to the book of Acts, Acts 15. There's a, a, a story about, about the council in Jerusalem, and they're arguing over uh, the same issue that's brought up here. And so we know that that wasn't quite settled yet, or else Paul would have said, hey, by the way, we already dealt with this. And so they're dealing with this issue of extremes. And in this church in Galatia, one of the extremes that they're dealing with is they have these new Gentiles that are just coming into the faith. The Gentile was anybody who wasn't a Jew. So they weren't necessarily promised to be a part of this. The Jews are having a hard time. What do you mean that God loves everybody, not just us? And so they're going through all of this. And on one hand, they have a, an extreme side that's like, you know what? You still need to do everything that the, that the book of the law says to do. And oh yeah, you can tackle on Christ. And then you have another extreme, which is presented, which is like, hey, uh, and it's lived out today here in America, in American churchianity, and in American churchianity versus Christianity, churchianity, we just say, well, I, I, got, I got grace for days. God's got grace for days, so I can do anything I want. And so the extremes are set up. And so here we find ourselves in, in Galatians 5, it's picking up an argument that was in Galatians 2 as well. But in this argument, what we see here is that you don't have to live at these extremes. That your life doesn't have to be extremely, I can do whatever I want and, 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 and just run around and, and behave and be promiscuous and be crazy. And I also, I don't have to be such a prude that I don't love anybody. I don't have to lock myself in a corner and just wait till I pass away in order to live this life. But so it's all set up here. And in Galatians 5, it goes down like this. And I thought actually, I, I thought several things. I thought about chopping this up into four weeks by itself. And I thought about it so much more. But where I'm trying to get to is how we can live in everyday life, where the rubber meets the road for your life. And so I'm going to um, go ahead and push through. And if I was to actually walk through slower, I could take a year on just this chapter. It's one of those kind of chapters. This and Romans were written as contemporaries of one another, and they're both meaty like that. And, um, and also with, with Galatians, it was one of the uh, first ones that we have on record uh, right around uh, 48 or so. So here we go. For freedom, Christ has set us free. For what? Freedom. For what? Freedom. That's why he set us free. For freedom, he has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of what? Slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. There was this debate going on. 
Like, hey, yeah, you can have that Christ, but you still need to do everything that the Jewish people were doing. And one of those was circumcision. It was a testimony that your heart had been changed through this outward symbol of cutting off a foreskin. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. He uses that word severed intentionally. It's talking about the act of circumcision. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. By trying to keep the law and justifying yourself to others and acting like you're better because you've been circumcised, they haven't. And so you, you guys are severed from Christ. That's a pretty strong language. You have fallen away from grace. Isn't that wild? We don't normally think of falling away from grace that way. We normally think of falling when someone falling away from the faith, falling away from grace. Usually we use that in language of like straight sin. Like, hey, they were up in the club getting tipsy. They must have fallen away from grace. But we don't normally go, wow, you've fallen away from grace because of your religiosity. Your, 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 your dependence on being a good person and, and making things right by the law has made you fall away from grace. And so this is what they're up against. You got on, 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 on this bound. So he's talking to them. He's like, you've fallen away from grace. Don't make that your deal. Don't hang yourself uh, up on that. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for what? anything, but only what? Faith. Working through what? Love. And then he, he tells him, he, you can feel just in the writing. Got all that out. You, you, you've been cut off. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Gives a little Parable here, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, a little yeast in the dough. I have confidence, meaning if you let this in, he's saying, if you let this in just even a little bit, it's going to end up spreading around and causing big problems. If you allow this to, to get in just a little bit, it's going to end up spreading around and it's going to pollute the, the, the cause of Christ among you. This act of living up to the law's standards to say where you are or where you're not. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, there was obviously a rumor going around. Well, look at what he did. Or maybe uh, we, we do have that Paul did this um, for Timothy, for example. But the purpose and the reason was, was he was taking him out and he wanted to tell, tell all them, hey, you guys, fine, you, 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 he's still, still one of you guys. He's still one of the Israelites. He's still, he's still in your team. But he didn't have a dad. He didn't even have a dad that believed anyway. And so Paul, in order to be able to do that, he did circumcise Timothy. But his point was like, hey, I don't know what rumors are out there about me, but this was, this was going on. There's, there's a rumor. He's like, if I had this, if I looked at it this way, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. It's one of my favorite lines. No, just... It's a cool line, though. He's talking about circumcision. He's talking about, hey, if you want to justify yourself by, by cutting off some foreskin, you want to justify yourself by a little bit of the law, why don't you go the whole way? Why don't you go ahead and just cut it all off? That was going to be my subtitle for today, but it's in my notes. It really is. True freedom only comes with salvation in Christ, by grace, through faith. 
True freedom only comes with salvation in Christ by grace through faith. The Galatians had started to drift into this false teaching that circumcision would still be required in order to receive salvation. This was grace plus works teaching. But church, I want you to know grace plus works doesn't work. Grace plus works doesn't work. When you put your works up and and say, you know, part of the reason I'm justified before God is, is look at the behaviors. Look at the behaviors I exhibit. When we're doing that, we're doing grace plus works. And we've got to be very, very careful. Because there's a difference between saying, here's the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit in me that's living this out. The Spirit in me that calls me to be different. The Spirit in me that's loving someone I don't want to love. The Spirit of God in me is doing something. Versus, hey, can you look what I did? Can you, can you see how I handled that? Can you see how I did that? Can you see how good I am? Can you see how I've, I've battled that? I used to be this and now I'm this. Look at me. And it's, 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 it's small, it's slight, but do you know every time I go to preach in the South in America, in, not South America, but in the South of America, do you know what I'm asked to speak on almost all the time? Some version of, Pastor, can you teach our people the difference between moralism and faith in Christ? And I'm like, I don't have to do that in Baltimore. There's not very many people walking around in Baltimore that are just like, well, I'm really, really good. I'm a good person. I'm a well-behaved person. I'm a well-behaved person. I might, I might love Jesus. I might not. No, like here, it's like, no, I don't believe in your God. Don't think that's serious. Blah, 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 blah. But seriously, that's the, the issue. When you're getting in a church culture, multiple generations of churchianity, what starts to happen is you drift into moralism, you drift into behavioralism, you drift into legalism, you drift into the space to where you start giving yourself credit for the work of the Spirit of God in you. And that unique difference, that setting of apart, the Scripture says, is a falling away from grace. Falling away from grace is not just when I go and I swim in sin and I, and I post on social media about where I was partying and who I was with and who I was sleeping with. That's not just the only way you fall away. You also fall away from grace when you get so confident in your churchianity that all of a sudden you're not depending on the Spirit of God anymore. You're depending on your religiosity. You're depending on what you've learned in Sunday school and you're depending on what you've learned this whole time and your behaviors start to make you look like a robot and then you go, man, look at me, I've made it. Maybe. Or maybe you're dependent on your flesh. And so he's he's battling this, and he's like, guys, you got to get it. And so two other references you can look at. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls, for my yoke is what? Easy, and my burden is? light. Extremes. Religion sucks the life out of you and makes you so focused on what I'm doing, what I'm doing, what I'm doing. And a lack of faith makes you believe it lies to you that you have some kind of life because of soaking it all in. Extremes. But living in the fruit of the Spirit is not, as Paul said, who put this yoke on you? Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. 
It's more like a dance. It comes natural. Let the Spirit of God live and move and have His being in your life and live that out. But don't fall away from grace by your religious experience. Where the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. In Christ, there is rest for your soul. You, you don't add to the freedom in Christ by your religiosity. And, and so let me put it this way. I, um, I gave, I had a friend and, and uh, we have some bicycles and I heard my friend, uh, he said, hey, you know, I'm getting in. I'm the only one in my family that doesn't have a bike. My kid's got a bike. My wife has a bike. And I was like, man, I've got, I've got tons of bikes that I don't. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I've got this, this one bike in my, and it's an adult bike and everything. And it, it's hardly used, honestly. It wasn't mine. I bought it from somebody. And, uh, and so we ended up, I said, listen, I got two bikes. One is, one is this one and one is this one. This one over here is, is yours. Let me just give that to you. This one over here, I think, you're, you're a barter and trader, and look, if you can get a few dollars for that, we'll just, how about we split it? And he was like, all right, cool. And then a week or two later, I'm talking to him, and he goes, Tolly, I feel like I, I need to give you some money. I said, why? He said, you know that bike that you gave me for free? I said, yeah, not the one we said we'd split, but the one I gave you for free. He goes, yeah, 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 that one. Well, uh, I feel bad, but I sold it. And I was like, oh, cool. And he goes, no, I got to give you money. Here's what I made on it. Can I, give you, can I give you half back? And I looked at him offended. And I said, did I, what did I tell you when I gave you that? Did I tell you it was a gift? And he said, yeah, you said that one was a gift and we'd split the profit on this other one. Well, I said, bro, it's not a gift if I let you contribute to paying for it. And by your contribution back to me, you negate the fact that I was trying to give you a gift. And I said, it's not your gift if you can't sell it. So I don't care if you sold it. I was done when I gave it to you. Do you know many of us, we get the free gift of salvation by grace through faith. And then we think the rest of our lives is to be programmed to go to church to earn it. The moment you try to pay for a gift, it's no longer a gift. Keep your money. Working in the flesh to earn God's favor actually denies the power of his favor. We try to do this all the time. His favor is not something you can earn. It's only something you can enjoy. Life in Christ is one of rest, not stress. And then the passage shifts. The passage shifts, remember, extremes. So he's spending his time and he's like, hey, you could fall away from grace if you do this wrong. If you try to pay God back and, and you try to make it all about the law, if you do this, it's going, oh man, it's terrible. You're going to separate yourself. Stop it. But then there's this shift. Everybody say shift. You can watch the shift happen. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. So now he's like, hey, there's freedom. Remember? Only, everybody say Only. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the what? The flesh. But through love, serve one another. 
For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not going to be consumed or you're not consumed by one another. Self-righteousness is as useless as it sounds. It's proclaiming yourself righteous by yourself. That's what self-righteousness is. It's, it's me declaring for all of you, I am righteous. Reminds me of the office scene where he declares bankruptcy. I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> it meant nothing. That's what self-righteousness is. I am righteous. Look at me, world. We're not righteous by our acts. But if we're made righteous in Christ, our acts do change. And that's where the shift takes place in the rest of the passage. He, were, he was talking to a people that were using the flesh as an opportunity to take glory in their own righteousness before God. We do this all the time in the church. We point to our works as evidence of righteousness instead of to pointing to Christ within us. So it says this, it also says, because the law, because the law is fulfilled, love your neighbor as yourself. Because the law is fulfilled. The law was fulfilled by Christ. The law was fulfilled already. It was fulfilled by Christ. It wasn't fulfilled because you cut some flesh off of yourself. And as evidence of the law being fulfilled, love your neighbor. Don't attack them for their shortcomings, biting and devouring, as the Bible says. Essentially, it's an ongoing battle over who is more righteous than the other person. Who is more holy than the other person. Biting and devouring. That happens so much inside churches. And as evidence, what is an evidence that you've been filled with the Spirit, you've been saved by God's grace? What is the evidence, the one word that he points to? Love. Love is the evidence that the law has been fulfilled in Christ over us. And there's no way you can claim to have Christ's love, but yet not love other people. Instead, we're told to love our neighbor as ourselves. But I say, verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit. I want you to notice he's, he says, uh, he uses an expression, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. There's fruit in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And so this passage comes up and he's like, hey, I want you to be tight with the Spirit. And here's a few ways. He, he, he walks through the first one he says is, walk by the Spirit. And if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. We walk in the flesh or by the Spirit. There is no neutral I want you to hear me. Whether you're pious and self-righteous or whether you're out partying all the time and you're getting drunk and you're taking drugs and sleeping around trying to be satisfied, both of those people are missing grace. Because one is trying to get favor with God by behavior and one is essentially turning their life away from God completely. But they're both missing this middle ground called grace. And so what he says is, he says, hey, don't, don't try so hard to be self-righteous and biting and cutting at each other. But what I want you to do is I want you to live in grace. And if you live in grace, if you live in the Spirit, if you walk in the Spirit, as he says, you're not going to gratify the flesh. 
So your real issue is not to wake up every single day trying to worry about that flesh either way. Feed the flesh, feed the flesh, feed the flesh. Run away from the flesh, run away from the flesh, run away from the flesh. That's not your everyday worry. Your everyday worry is how close am I walking to the Spirit of God? That's where you put your time and your energy. And what's going to happen is if you're walking with the Spirit of God, you're just naturally going to love what He loves. You're naturally going to be drawn to more holy behavior. You're naturally going to be drawn to loving your neighbor. You're naturally going to be drawn to all these things. Why? Because your first course of business wasn't to wake up that day and, 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 and um, wrestle and bite and bite and backbite and proclaim yourself self-righteous or wake up that day and gratify every little whim that you have running through your, 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 your mind or your body or your lower extremity parts. You're not going to be led by anything like that. We walk in the flesh, not by the spirit. There is no neutral. There are very few decisions in life that have no significant spiritual impact. You can walk according to the flesh and please the flesh, or you'll walk according to the spirit that pleads the spirit. Two ways to walk in the flesh, through sin or self-righteousness. Both of those gratify us in the flesh because both of those deny the power of God in our life. Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. You cannot lead yourself to walk in the Spirit. You have to surrender to Him. So again, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, but you cannot lead yourself to do this. That effort in and of itself disqualifies us. We're led by the Spirit of God. We can't lead ourselves to do that. Religious people believe that their piety gets them favor with God, and favor is simply acknowledging God's grace. That's all favor is. Favor is not I've got a bigger car. Favor is not I've got a bigger house. Favor is not I graduated. Favor is, is that, is, as I heard one time a preacher said, anything above hell is the favor of God. <laughs> Being led in the Spirit simply is simply resisting the power. Being led in the Spirit of God is resting in the power of God by being rooted in the Word of God, determined to live for the glory of God. Being led in the Spirit is simply resting in the power of God by being rooted in the Word of God, determined to live for the glory of God. I'm not letting the flesh get its way. My heart is going to deceive me. My mind will confuse me. My body will betray me. I must surrender. I've got to follow the God that made me and knows me best and loves me most. So then we get to what I'll spend the next few weeks talking with you on. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. I want you to notice here, these are all things that you would be like, everybody in church would be like, yeah! Yeah! Get them! All those people! Sexual immorality? Bad. Impurity? Bad. Sensuality? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> idolatry? I don't have idols. Sorcery sounds like witchcraft. And then we stop. But look at the rest. Look at this list as it picks up. Because, see, the church people would be like, yeah. Check this out. Enmity. Anybody seen enmity in a church? Strife. Strife, jealousy. We've never seen jealousy inside of the church of the living God. Never. How about anger? You ever see fits of anger? You didn't like my green bean casserole. 
right? How about rivalries? I wanted to be the deacon. I wanted to be the elder. I wanted to get picked to preach. Dissension. I'm not, I'm not going to be unified. I'm doing my own thing. I told them I was going to do it this way. I don't care what preacher so-and-so says. I don't know why I get these different characters. <laughs> I don't know. I was raised in the hood, went to school in Virginia. Divisions, envy. You see all that list? That list could be in every church in America. And then it gets back into some that we might go, yeah. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, or another version might say practice such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa. But the fruit of the Spirit. What's the Spirit do? When I let the Spirit of God lead me every day, what's the Spirit of God? What's the fruit of the Spirit? Now remember, walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. There is fruit that comes from the Spirit's work in me. It's love, joy, peace. Some of you remembered a song when you were in kindergarten, didn't you? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also Keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So he, he puts a capstone on the backside, and he's like, guys, you're still trying to be made right by all your religious work. I think you've missed grace. And we might puff our chest and be like, no, I'm a good religious person. He's like, no, I think you're missing grace. Grace is, is not about what you can cut off your body and beat yourself and cut your arms and bleed. I mean, you can even go to the, go to the, to, to the battle with, with Baal. They were doing all this crazy stuff. Even orgies as a reference in here was like a worship situation. Just like, look how religious I am. It's like, no. Settle down. Simmer down now. Simmer down. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And if you will kill off the passions of the flesh, and if you will not try to be super religious, but you will just rest in the goodness of His grace, the Spirit of God will do a work in you that only He could do. And you notice that list, it started out with love, and it ends with self-control. Only God can make you love the way that he loves. The way that he loved is he loved the people that were killing him. He loved all the people that were sinful and ugly. He loved everybody who he knew would reject him. He loved Judas. So don't miss grace because you go get self-righteous and you make it all about what you can do for God. And don't miss grace because you deny 
his goodness and grace over you, and you continue to satisfy and gratify all of the flesh that wants to offer it. But rather, and we'll talk about this this next couple months, walk in the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God live, move, and have his being in you. And the byproduct of that connection will be these things. You won't force your way into it. You won't make yourself a better person. There is no self-help book. It's just, I'm going to be connected to the Spirit of God. And let the Spirit of God live, move, and have His way in me. I like that last line there in verse 25, actually. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You know, that reminds me when you watch Dancing with the Stars, the non-Christians. It's a joke. (laughs) But at the beginning of the show, everybody's tripping all over themselves. Maybe they were an athlete. Maybe they were an actor. And so they've got all of this body muscle memory built up from whatever they've been doing. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're told, hey, let me lead. And when you feel a movement, you go with the movement. When you feel me, when you get to know me, our bodies will start to become in sync. And so I, I very much picture walking with Jesus the same way. Because he says, you know what? Walk in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. There's fruit that comes from that. Live your life just keeping in step with the Spirit. Some of us, the real issue at the end of all of this, control. I want it my way, so I'm going to gratify the flesh. I want it my way. So I'm going to be more righteous than the next. And I'm going to use that to backbite against others who aren't living up to my way. I want it my way. But to be in tune with the Spirit is to surrender to the Spirit. Dear Father in heaven, you lead. I follow. You show me how to dance. And I'll dance. Let's pray.